This is Sam Anderson, lead pastor at Central Church. Thank you for listening to the Central Church Podcast. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. And to keep up with everything happening in our faith community, visit centralchurch.cc. If I had to title today, we would, we would call it Holy Spirit 101, because we're just going to kind of hit some foundational principles that are going to carry us through the next several weeks. And then next week, what we're going to do is we're going to look at the Old Testament and see how the Holy Spirit is alive and prevalent in the Old Testament. And then the week following that, we're going to look at the New Testament and how the, the function of the Holy Spirit sort of shifts and changes between the Old Testament and the New Testament. And then on the final week of the series, we're going to look at the fruit of the Spirit and what that means for us. All this stuff that we're talking about theoretically regarding the Holy Spirit, what that means in our hearts and in our lives, in the here and now, when we're working our job, when we're with our family, when we're going through life, what does it look like to do life with the Holy Spirit? And so my Holy Spirit journey, my journey with the Holy Spirit has been really, really um, interesting. And I'm sure many of you have had a really interesting uh, journey as well. But I was going to show a video this morning um, of this guy named Earl Hughes. Um, I don't know if you've seen this video or not, but it circulated the internet. It went really, really hard. I think it went viral like four years ago, three, four years ago. And it's this guy named Earl Hughes. As I start to talk about it, you may know what video I'm talking about. It's this older gentleman, and it's as if they had like a, a camcorder or something. Yes, I said camcorder. If you don't know what that is, whatever. It's like they had a camcorder up in like the balcony shining down on a church service that was taking place. And so this gentleman, Earl Hughes, gets up and he starts singing. And it is, I'm pretty confident he didn't hit a single correct note the entire song, right? But he's up singing, and when he gets to the chorus of this song, people start springing up out of nowhere and start running around and running the aisles like they caught the spirit, right? They, they, they start running the aisles. They start jumping over the aisles. They got like, um, they, some start dancing, but, but, and, and whatever. But here's, the, here's what, what's incredible. This one guy. This one guy. You know there's always that one guy that takes it too far, you know? So this one guy gets up, and he starts, like, windmilling down the, uh, down the aisle, like, you know, doing his thing. Like, it's a hardcore show, but he's the only one there. And he starts windmilling down the aisle, and, and he's, you know, he's caught the spirit, man, so he's doing his thing. So he runs back and forth a couple of times. He jumps up. No, he comes up about halfway, takes his coat off, suit jacket, starts spinning it like a helicopter. Like Petey Pablo's up in the house all of a sudden, right? <laughs> Twist around your head like a helicopter, right? So he's like this, and he throws his jacket. And Earl Hughes is sitting there singing, and it lands right on Earl. Earl just kind of laughs, brushes it off, and keeps going like it's an American Idol uh, audition, right? Just going hard, okay? And this guy, that's not enough. Twisted around, through it, had this thing. Takes off running, jumps on stage, hurdles a monitor, and then somersaults into the baptismal <laughs> that is full of water. And he does one of those awkward back bends where, like, his feet hit in front of his head. Do you know what I'm talking about? It's like, ooh, you know what I'm saying? Like, ooh. And so he does that, and then he gets up, and he's like, woo, and, like, feeling the spirit, and takes off running out the side. And then you got all these people dancing and going crazy and all this stuff. And I watched that video. Many people, many people watch that video, and they're like, what? I watched that video, I'm like, that was my life growing up. That was my church experience. I'm dead serious. Obviously, no one ever flipped into the baptismal. But I grew up in a hyper-charismatic Pentecostal church. And my grandparents are pastors still to this day in their 80s, pastors of a hyper-charismatic 
churches in rural Alabama. And so when I would go and visit my family in rural Alabama, that was church. That was my context and my understanding of the Holy Spirit. Growing up, that's what I thought the Holy Spirit was, right? We sing a certain song, the choir gets to a certain part in that song, and then Sister Susie starts doing the chicken dance, and that's the Holy Spirit, right? And I'm not mocking, I'm not making fun, but that's, this is honestly, this was my perspective. This was my perspective, right? Or a key change happens in the song and you get chills on the back of your neck, and you're like, ooh, that's the Spirit, right? Right? And that stuff happens, and we think, oh, that's the Holy Spirit. So growing up, honestly, that's what I thought the Holy Spirit was. Or someone said something that hit you in an emotional chord, and you like it, and you're like, oh, glory, that's the Spirit. Really? Or did they just say something that you really liked, and you felt like getting excited, right? So that was sort of my perspective, and it seemed to me, it was crazy, that the Holy Spirit typically showed up on Sunday nights for church, right? Because we had church Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. So Sunday night services, this is when the Holy Spirit really showed up. Because Sunday morning they needed the tithes and offerings, so they had to keep it a little more organized. And the preacher prepared all week for his message, so he had to speak it, right? But then after watching football all afternoon, the pastor didn't want to talk again, so the Holy Spirit showed up Sunday night, right? And so Sunday night, it would, without fail, the choir would sing that song, the first lady would stand up, and then next thing you know, we're singing for the next two hours. The pastor doesn't even have to preach, right? That was my perspective of the Holy Spirit until, I don't know, probably 7th, 8th grade. In, in 7th or 8th grade, we went to this church called Grace Community Church, which is over at uh, Maras in 94. It's a pretty big church over like in Detroit, right by Gross Point on the east side. And uh, we went to Grace Community Church, and I've shared the story before. A guy got up in shorts to take offering, and I was looking for lightning bolts. I was like, is that allowed, someone in shorts on stage? Because I came from a conservative, you know, hyper-charismatic Pentecostal upbringing. And, uh, you know, that, that's a whole other situation. But I began to wonder, in regards to the Holy Spirit, why didn't the Holy Spirit come to this church? Because that's where my perspective was. That's where my head was at. These people, you know, when the pastor gets excited, he doesn't start crip walking in front of everybody, right? So where's the Holy Spirit? You know, key changes happen and nobody's shouting and running the aisles. Where's the Holy Spirit? What, what's going on here? Why is there no Holy Spirit at this church, even though these people, this church loves people, they're serving people, they love Jesus, they're serving Jesus, but there's no Holy Spirit in the mix. And so I began to question and sort of do this thing in my head of what, what is the Holy Spirit? How does this all play out? How does that work, you know? And so I feel like many of you may have similar stories. Maybe it's not coming from a super, you know, Pentecostal thing, but maybe it's the other side of the coin. Maybe you saw those things from a distance and thought, yeah, right. Like, they're crazy, that's wild, I'm not in it, I'm not with it, that's not Jesus. You know, maybe you came from the other side of the coin, and that kind of stuff just really freaked you out. Or maybe you just never really gave much thought to it, you know? You know, you heard it referred to as the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit, or, you know, depending on what translation you use or what faith tradition you come up with. And so you think Holy Ghost, you're thinking, oh, it must just be like Casper the Friendly Ghost, but that loves Jesus. And that's your vision of the Holy Spirit, and you haven't given it much thought more than that. But what I want to do today is I want to look at sort of what the Bible tells us about the Holy Spirit and some things that we can take away from the scriptures to sort of paint a picture of what the Holy Spirit looks like and, and, and who the Holy Spirit is. Not necessarily what your grandmother's denomination told you that the Holy Spirit was 
or not necessarily what your pastor growing up informed you what the Holy Spirit looks like and what a manifestation of the Holy Spirit is or what it looks like or, or, or how it's supposed to be handled. Or not what church culture or the latest charismatic movement has painted a picture of what the Holy Spirit looks like because we latch onto these things and we say, oh yeah, that's the Holy Spirit. Oh yeah, that's the Holy Spirit. Oh yeah, that's the Holy Spirit. But what I want to do is I want to look at the Bible and take some direction from that because I feel like the Bible's pretty clear you know, and, and points a, paints a pretty clear picture of what the Holy Spirit looks like and how we're to interact with it. But somewhere along the way, we've gotten way far away from that in our church culture. At some point, it, it's gotten twisted because I think that if we grew up on a desert island and all we had was the Bible to depict us what the Holy Spirit looks like and what the Holy Spirit's role should be in our hearts and in our lives, it would look completely different than a modern American church culture. It would look completely different if we were taking our cues from the scriptures. And so I want to do that today. So let's pray together, and then we'll spend just a few minutes kind of breaking this down and diving into it. And I promise that's the most sacrilegious I'll be all morning, okay? Deal? Deal. Let's pray. God, thank you so much uh, for this morning. Thank you so much for this time and this space and the freedom that we have to come together and to seek you together. God, I thank you for the time of worship that we just get to 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 draw near to you, and, and your word says that as we draw near to you, you draw near to us. And so I do thank you for that encounter. I thank you for that, that time that we get to spend with you collectively. God, I thank you for the kids and all that's happening in the lives of the kids at this church and the kids' ministry and for the volunteers that are pouring into them even now and teaching them about your love and your grace, your forgiveness, your acceptance. God, I pray this morning that as we open your word that you would allow it to speak truth to us. I pray that you would soften our hearts and open our minds and make us receptive to what you have for us today. God, we love you and praise you. In Jesus' name, everybody said? Amen. Amen. So let me just start with a, a little bit of a disclaimer. Fully understanding the Holy Spirit is impossible. Fully comprehending the Holy Spirit is impossible fully defining and giving a airtight definition of the Holy Spirit is impossible. Just like understanding God is impossible. The, 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 the grandiose massiveness, uh, you know, the largeness, the, the cosmicness, if that's even a word, of God is just so huge that there's no way that we could fully comprehend it. But here's the deal. The goal is not necessarily to fully understand God. The goal in these series and the goal in these conversations is not necessarily to fully understand God. The goal is to worship and to have a relationship. That's the goal. And so if you're looking for all the answers and this is boo, 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 and I'm going to win some debates on Facebook with this material, you're missing it. That's not the point. The goal is not to necessarily to understand God. The goal is to worship and to have Relationship. Also, this is not an exhaustive study. This is not every passage in all of Scripture that talks about the Holy Spirit. These are just some guiding thoughts to sort of give us a, a quick idea. Like I said, this is Holy Spirit 101. This is, hey, here's the foundation. Here's what we need to kind of hold on to moving forward so we can understand what else is going to happen in this series. Okay, does that make sense? Can I get just a little bobblehead action from everybody? Yes, I understand. You're not saying you have all the answers. Okay, good. Thank you. So, in Scripture... God is revealed to us in three ways. Scripture is just a, it's a process of God revealing himself to humanity. 
He's consistently revealing himself more and more to humanity. That's why things change, things adapt, and things grow as Scripture continues, right? And so God reveals himself, it's, it's, he's revealed to us in three ways in Scripture. And many of you guys know this already. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, right? I mean, if you've been around church at all for any amount of time, you've heard God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And we could spend like six weeks, I mean, there's college courses on the doctrine of the Holy Spirit which is fully trying to understand and wrap your head around God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and all their functions and how they all act and react together, but how they all act and react individually and all this stuff. Um, but, but typically, God the Father is the terminology that we use and we talk about in common everyday life. We usually refer to God the Father in like the creation account, right? Like God the Father, he created things. That's how we kind of think of God the Father. Or God the Father, when we pray, when we're like, dear Heavenly Father, Right? In our head, without thinking about it, we're thinking of God the Father. Right? Or, um, you know, we think of God the Father sending Jesus. Because when Jesus was on this earth, he was praying to somebody. Well, that must be God the Father, right? And so, typically, we kind of compartmentalize God the Father in, in, into that realm. And then God the Son is obviously a little more obvious for us. That's Jesus. And oftentimes, we pray with that in mind as well, right? Dear Jesus, please help me to whatever, Right? When we're praying, we, we typically pray to Jesus. Or we think of Jesus around Christmas time, right? Emmanuel, God with us. We think of God the Son as God in a bod, basically, right? It's Jesus, God becoming man, coming to the earth. And then God the Holy Spirit, we reference as like, okay, that's God in us, right? And the Bible talks about fruit of the Spirit, and that there's going to be evidence that there's God in us through this fruit that comes out, right? And, and the God the Holy Spirit is, is typically referred to as like a comforter or, or a counselor or sort of this like post-Jesus God, right? You have God the Father, creator and father and father time with a big white beard, right? That's God. And then you got Jesus who like came to the earth and that's like God in Abad, Jesus, man, whatever. And then after Jesus, then there's the Holy Spirit and that's kind of where he hangs out and that's a little more mystical and a little out there or whatever. But here's the deal. Here's foundation square one of what we need to realize about the Holy Spirit before we can move forward at all. The Holy Spirit, if we're looking at Scripture, paints a picture that the Holy Spirit is fully God. The Holy Spirit is just as much God as Jesus. The Holy Spirit is just as much God as God the Father. The Holy Spirit is fully God. It's not like an arm of God or like an addendum to the whole God process. It's like, okay, there's God and Jesus, and then, oh yeah, then there's the Holy Spirit who kind of hangs out over here, right? No, the Holy Spirit is fully God, and it's starting all the way back at the beginning of Scripture, right? Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, where we usually attribute God the Father to the whole creation process. It says, in the beginning, God created, right? In the beginning, God created. So we think God the Father, creative, awesome, cool. The heavens and the earth. Now, the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. So the Holy Spirit was present at creation. The Holy Spirit is not something that's new. The Holy Spirit is not something that just showed up in the upper room. The Holy Spirit's fully God. The Holy Spirit was there the whole time, right? And so it's important for us to understand that, that the Holy Spirit was part of the creation process even. The Holy Spirit is, is, is absolutely, fully God. And so in Matthew chapter 28, 
when Jesus is talking, right? And he goes through and he says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the what? The Father, the Son, and what? The Holy Spirit. There's no distinction between, okay, baptize them in the name of the Father because that's God, and baptize them in the name of Jesus because that's God, and then also, you know, if you want to throw the Holy Spirit in there, go for it. No, they are all presented with equal relevance, equal significance, equal power. All throughout the New Testament, which we'll talk about in a couple weeks, that the, the, the terminology Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is all used synonymously, right? They're interchangeable with one another to talk about the same thing. There's little to no distinction between them in Scripture. I mean, they have different functions, but they're all the same. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4, Paul's writing, Paul is this like church planner writing to this church in Corinth, and he's writing them letters on how to be cool with God and how to work out this whole Christianity thing, and he says this, he says, there are different, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works in all of them, in all men. See how he uses Spirit, Lord, and God to talk about the same thing? In 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14, this is him closing out his second letter to the church in Corinth. He says, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. You see how they're all used together and they're all used synonymously and they're all given equal weight and equal value? You see, if we were to use scripture and not all those other things to define what the Holy Spirit is, we would see that, the, that there's equality with the Spirit. There's equality between Jesus, God, and the Spirit. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 4 through 6, it says, There is one body and one Spirit. Just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. And so step one in this process is wrapping our heads around this idea that the Holy Spirit is fully God. Not some addendum, not some arm, not some, you know, mystical Halloween thing, but that the Holy Spirit is fully God. Because I think if we wrapped our heads around this perspective, that the Holy Spirit is fully God, I believe that it would radically and, and, and drastically transform the way we approach and interact with the Spirit. The amount of access we have to the Holy Spirit and the interaction that we have with the Holy Spirit, if we realized that that was fully God in the fullness of His power, the fullness of His might, the fullness of all the promises of God rest in the Holy Spirit, I feel like we would approach it completely different. I feel like we wouldn't limit the Holy Spirit to an experiential interaction because I feel like that happens so frequently in church culture we limit the power of the Holy Spirit to an experiential transaction to an experience to an encounter like I said earlier a key change happens in a song we get chills boom the Holy Spirit and we compartmentalize the power and the might and the grandiose of the Holy Spirit to a key change in a song, or if a, a worship service hits you in all the right fields, and you're like, that's the Holy Spirit. And so we limit the Holy Spirit to that. Or if a pastor says something, gets you excited, we limit the Holy Spirit to that. But if we're looking at Scripture, and the way that it paints a picture of the Holy Spirit, I believe the Holy Spirit is much more relational than it is experiential. 
believe that the Holy Spirit is much more relational than it is experiential. Not going from church service to church service to worship service to worship service, thinking, ooh, the Holy Spirit was good. Ooh, the Holy Spirit was good. Holy Spirit was thick in that worship service. Ooh, I felt the presence of the Lord in that church. Listen, guys, if we're looking at Scripture, that's not the picture that's painted, that it's something that we necessarily experience in mountaintop situations. If we're looking at Scripture, the Holy Spirit is painted to be much more relational than experiential. In that same verse I read a few minutes ago, 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14, it says, May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the what? Fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. He's sending them off, sealing this letter, wrapping up his communication with them. He doesn't say, listen, man, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and, and make sure that you guys get really cool lights and a great band because you really got to foster the presence of the Holy Spirit there, okay? And you need to get a big tent and throw a revival and that's the way things need to go so that people can really experience the Holy Spirit. Get somebody that can really sing, you know, get some wireless mics, you don't want anybody tripping, you know, and let's just really bring down the Spirit together. Peace be with you, amen, right? That's not what it says. It says, may the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. When Jesus is talking in John chapter 14, he says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. He says, the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. Do you hear how relational that is? He lives in you and will be with you. He will be with you and in you, with you and in you. Not at mountaintop experiences, but in the valleys as well. In the climb to the top, he's there at the top, but also in the descent. He's in it all. Much more relational than experiential. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit lives in you? This is God in us. Very relational. Very interactional. Right? This is not something that we just experience or encounter here and there at big worship conferences. This is much more relational than experiential. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, so I say live by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. What does that say? Live by the Spirit. It's a lifestyle. It's an all-day, everyday kind of thing. It's a lifestyle. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is... Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It doesn't say the fruit of the Spirit is a really good worship service. It doesn't say the fruit of the Spirit is when you listen to that worship CD in your car and it hits you in all the fields and you're like, yes, Lord, you got to pull over. That's not the fruit of the Spirit because you're like ugly crying and there's makeup everywhere. Nelson, I'm talking about you, makeup everywhere. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not, that's not what it says. It says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Guys, that's life. That's responding and reacting to things. That's being proactive about things. That's all day, every day. Does that make sense? In Galatians chapter 5, 25, this is one of my favorite passages that talks about the Spirit and talks about the Holy Spirit. It says, since we live by the Spirit... Let us keep in step with the Spirit. And I know Chris Johnson, who was a teaching pastor here um, before moving to South Carolina, he gave a message one time, and it stuck with me. It's so good. He said that when he was growing up, and he would hear, so keep in step with the Spirit, 
his mind automatically went to, I'm in the Lord's army, yes, sir. I'm in the Lord's army, yes, sir. Do you guys remember that song? I may never march in the infantry, ride in the cavalry, shoot the... You guys are like, Sam, don't ever do that again, ever. Okay. Now you know why they don't let me back there in kids' church. They make me come up here. You think I'm up here because I want to be up here. I want to be back there. He th <laughs> They're like, no, none of that. Um, he said, you know, he grew up thinking it was like marching orders, keep in step with the Spirit. Up, two, three, four, up, two, three, four. I got to keep in step with the Spirit or else God's going to hit me with lightning bolts, right? But he said, no, 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 no. When you dig a little deeper, the nuances there is that it's more like a dance. It's more like an intimate relationship. And when I talked about this before, I cited Ludacris, and I caught a lot of flack for it. Mainly because they're like, dude, you're so old. You listen to Ludacris? But you guys remember that song, When I Move, You Move, right? When I move, you move. Just like that? When I move, you move. Just like that? No? Quinn? All right, Quinn's got me. Okay. Hey, DJ, bring that back. When I move, you move. Just like that. You know what I'm talking about? And so when I heard, thought of the Holy Spirit keeping in step with the Spirit, I thought of ludicrous. Now, I thought of that same idea that we're in this intimate dance with the Holy Spirit day in and day out. And he says, when I move, you move. And I'm like, just like that? <laughs> right? When I'm, do you notice when he says that, though, and his voice gets higher and higher every time? By the end, he's like, just like that? Yep. Anyway, and so it's like this intimate dance. I'm getting sidetracked here. This intimate dance with the Holy Spirit. So when it's talking about keeping in step with the Spirit, it's this very relational, this very vulnerable, this lead and follow sort of ebb and flow of relationship. And so when Paul is encouraging us to keep in step with the Spirit, he's saying this is relational, this is intimate, this is personal. And this is a guiding sort of deal where the Holy Spirit's taking the lead and we're following, but we're following close. And we're keeping in step with the Spirit. And when he says move and go talk to that person, I move and I go talk to that person. When he says I need to spend a little more time here, then I spend a little more time here. When he says stay away from that situation, I stay away from that situation. Because when he moves, I move. Just like that. Do you know what I mean? And so I feel like Scripture sort of paints this picture of the Holy Spirit. And so as we spend the next few weeks looking at the Holy Spirit and going through the Old Testament and seeing how the Holy Spirit was manifest there and then how the Holy Spirit manifests himself through the New Testament and how he can now manifest himself in and through us, I feel like we need to align our perspective with Scripture. And when we're talking about the Holy Spirit, we're talking about relational more than experiential. Are there Holy Spirit experiences? Yes, I believe that wholeheartedly. But I think by and large... Scripture points to a much more relational interaction with the Holy Spirit for all of us than it does these mountaintop experiences where we're going from glory to glory and we're jumping from this church to that church and this group to that group so we can be in the presence of the Holy Spirit. It's like, nah, that's not it. That's not it. That's what church culture has manufactured, but that's not it. That's not what Scriptures tell us how to interact with the Holy Spirit. So I want us to take a relational approach to the Holy Spirit, a, a day in and day out sort of dance of keeping in step with the Spirit. And so maybe you're in here this morning and you're hearing all this and, and you're thinking, man, I've had a pretty limited perspective or a limited view of the Holy Spirit. I never really envisioned the Holy Spirit of being fully God. 
like having all the power and all the, the might, yet all the intimacy and the love and the sacrifice and all of that all in the Holy Spirit. And so I want to challenge you this morning to shift your perspective, to view the Holy Spirit as fully God in all that that means. And if that means you need to go back to your Bible and read through some verses and say, man, let me reapproach this thinking with the perspective that the Holy Spirit is fully God, just as much as Jesus, just as much as God the Father, the Holy Spirit is God, equivalent to the Father and Son, active, present, and powerful. I want to encourage you to do that. I want to encourage you to shift your perspective. Maybe you're in here this morning, and you've had a skewed view of the Holy Spirit. Maybe for you, it was a lot like me growing up, and it was experiential only. And you, you, know, you find yourself hunting for the right church or the right group or the right worship service so that you can experience the Holy Spirit. Or you think, oh man, I had an encounter with the Holy Spirit, that's cool. Monday through Saturday, I still got to work my job and do life, so I'll pick up with the Holy Spirit next time I'm in church. And think that the Holy Spirit dwells in a place or the Holy Spirit dwells in a certain building or something. Maybe you've had a skewed, limited view of the Holy Spirit. Maybe you've been hands-off and completely opposite than the way that I was raised, and you're looking at this charismatic stuff saying, whoa, 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 heresy, 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 right? You're saying that's all terrible and scary and wrong and weird and different and whatever. So maybe you just need to kind of step back and say, okay, well, what is my approach to the Holy Spirit? Where do I stand in all of this? For some of you, maybe it's been scary and unknown, and you do think of Casper the Friendly Ghost, but a little more scary. You're like, I don't want nothing to do with any of that stuff. All that Holy Ghost talk's got me all creeped out, right? But I want to invite you as well and challenge you to engage with the Holy Spirit. To get into a relationship, into this dance, this this movement of keeping in step with the Spirit. Because imagine if we were people who walked in and with the Spirit of God. Imagine that. Think about that for a second, what that would look like in our lives. Imagine what our workplace would look like if we walked in thinking, I'm in step with the Spirit. When He moves, I'm going to move. Where He goes, I'm going to go. And that's how this thing's going to work. That's This day is going to work. Yeah, I got my tasks as my job, but I know something bigger and better and greater is going on here. And I'm going to keep in step with the Spirit the whole way. Imagine how different our family would look if we kept in step the Spirit, our immediate family, our extended family, and beyond. Think of how different that may look. Imagine what a trip to the bank could look like. Just the bank. You're not in a worship service, and Sister Susie's not doing her thing, but you're at the bank, and the Holy Spirit moves and says, this teller needs some love. This teller needs some affirmation. This teller needs to talk about her kids for a few more minutes. Chill out and listen. Imagine how different that could look. Imagine how different a trip to the grocery store can look. To you, you're just loading cat food into the weird cat lady's trunk. But the Holy Spirit might be up to something totally different. Imagine what it would be like if we were in step with the Spirit at the restaurant and the waitress comes up and she's being super rude and super short with you. And the Holy Spirit says, you need to love on this lady. You need to take care of her because she's got some stuff going on. You don't need to be pissed because you got your drink order wrong. You need to be in step with the Spirit and say, how can I be Jesus to this woman? Imagine how different our life could look. Imagine the school pickup lines. Glory. Any place in the world needs Jesus, it's that. Any place needs the Holy Spirit, it's that parking lot at 315. But imagine how different that can look, honestly. 
Imagine how different our world would look if we were in step with the Spirit. When I move, you move. Just like that, when I move, you move. Just like that. And that's our mantra going into every arena of life. Because I feel like that's what the Scriptures call us to. That's what it looks like to be a Christ follower, is to be in step with the Spirit. And so as the band leads us, they're going to play two more songs, and as the band leads us, I want to encourage you guys to do some business with God. For you, you might be sitting there while they're singing, and you're not singing a single word, but you're saying, God, I'm sorry that I've had it so twisted for so long. Yo, get me on your page. I want, I want that. I want that life. For some of you, you might start thinking ways now. You're saying, man, we were going to go to Applebee's, but we're going to Chili's because I know that waitress needs some love. And God might start speaking to you here and now saying, this is how you're going to do this. These are the, some things that need to change in your life. God might bring people to your mind that you say, man, I've been missing it, and I'm, but I'm, I'm about to get it. I'm not going to miss it anymore. But I want to give you guys an opportunity to do business with God before we leave this space. So let's pray together. God. Thank you for listening to the Central Church Podcast. We hope this has encouraged you, inspired you, and you experience life change. If you are unable to attend our Sunday gatherings but still want to support this faith community, visit our giving page at centralchurch.cc. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes.